Hey, y'all, get ready. It's the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Cranking it up with Jonathan E. Mord, candidate for the United States Senate in Virginia. We've got updates on upcoming events, as well as, uh, I, I would say, so, sort of a semi-Utah-specific uh, topic in Hour 2, but it's not just Utah. It's about water rights. What's the role of the local uh, you know, authorities associated with uh, uh, how water is utilized in the state? Is it a federal issue, a state issue? Is it a global governance issue? Chelsea Hope is uh, joining us an hour or two to talk about that and more. So stick around. Lots of healing to go, including political. On the Robert Scott Bell Show, Super 9, let's crank it up. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Sacred Fire of Liberty kicks into gear right about now. Uh, before the show, you know, these social media things, every once in a while they pop up old pictures of you. And there was uh, one that of me and Jonathan Emord from 10 years ago. We were just kids. Uh, and that was, a, well, I don't even know which Health Freedom Expo it was, but it's amazing how long we've been hanging out together and having fun, doing great work, bringing health, freedom, and healing liberty back to the people, back to you where it belongs with each and every one of you. Uh, with that, I don't know if Super Don has the picture, but regardless, we'll bring uh, Jonathan Ebord in the mix. We'll catch up on some upcoming events, including Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Uh, that's coming up. Jonathan, are you ready to hit the, the, the desert uh, soon? I'm ready. I'm ready for the desert. Yeah, very exciting. And uh, I added inadvertently because I have friends there, an event kind of warming up and hopefully I'll get more people to come to the uh, the health freedom events uh, Monday and Tuesday with Dr. Jack Wolfson. Uh, that's the 6th and 7th of March. On the 5th, I'll be speaking at the, the, the Giving Tree, apparently an organic restaurant of some kind in Phoenix on that Sunday afternoon around 5 o'clock. So um, I don't know if you're going to be in town that early, but I can introduce you to all those folks too. Well, that sounds great. I don't know exactly what uh, time I'm flying, but uh, yes, coordinate with Andrew and we'll figure that one out. All right. Hey, Super D, show that picture from 10 years ago. Look at this. Right? <laughs> look at that. Look, Jonathan hasn't changed a bit. Honestly, you look just the same. I uh, uh, apparently have grayer hair. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah. Well, look at to the club, Robert. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. We both have got a little bit more gray, uh, but uh, we're looking good. I have to say, holding up pretty well. Uh, <laughs> all that we've been doing and you've been doing. So that's very cool, Super Don. Thank you for sharing that picture. Indeed. Yeah. So there's other history that we did together when we were all on radio um, every week. There is, and we were we were chatting before the show, uh, talking about stuff, and Jonathan brought up. Uh, the the old intro that we used to play when he would get on the show. Uh, and this is when he was on our show. And uh, I said, you know what, Jonathan? I just happen to have that standing by. So for Jonathan's uh, 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 enjoyment here, and everybody else, I'm sure, yes. here's the, uh, the old Jonathan Emord intro. In a world where freedom is threatened, where individual rights are eroding, one man stands poised to counteract the rise of tyranny by rekindling the sacred fire of liberty. That man is 
Jonathan E. Mord. Liberty was the patriotic purpose of our written constitution. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. The ultimate solution is not in the hands of the government. Give me liberty or give me death. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the FDA Dragon Slayer. <laughs> that, that was a super Don special when he put that together. We were both blown away, like, oh my gosh. How would how were you? I really very, very cool. Last on the past, Robert. Yeah. Where did you get that voice from, Super Don? Do you remember? Uh there's a guy <clears throat> that I've worked with many times in the past. His name's Rick Whelan, and he's an Irish broadcaster, uh film director guy, and he he just does he does like 80 different voices. That one is the the old movie trailer guy. I can't remember what the guy's name was that, that was the movie trailer guy. He died several years ago. Gotcha. Uh, but he can do that uh, and all kinds of other ones and stuff. So that's that's a hat tip to Rick Whelan. He's a great voiceover actor. Wow, that was really cool. I, anyway, we were always fired up doing that. And you now you'd have to put video to it because the show is also visual. So that's a little bit more of a task. Yeah, it's a whole audience. It's a whole different animal when you get it get in front of the camera. Yeah, you know they so, say you've I've got a I've got a face made for radio. <laughs> no, now we have to put our faces up. Everyone, Jonathan does too because he's he's going out and meeting folks all over the country and of course all over Virginia. We've got a big three day tour coming up at the end of March. The last three days of March, uh, we're going to be in I think three different cities. I remember Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Lynchburg, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, and Leesburg, Virginia. So the south, the north, or the south, the central, and the north parts of uh, Virginia, and mm -hmm. it's our campaign kickoff. We're going to have huge events in each of these locations, and it's going to be fantastic. The radio ads are being put together by Don as we speak to mm -hmm. announce the people of Virginia that this is the place to come to save America. Yeah, well, and I, you know what's interesting about Lynchburg, Virginia? Uh, this goes back to my dad. Um, my grandfather's a company got bought out uh, back in like the late 60s, early 70s by the CB Fleet Pharmaceutical Company because he was an inventor of various medical devices and things. And that is, uh, as far as I know, it's still a privately held consortium. It's not a drug company per se, but they do, of course, fleet enemas and things like that. That made plenty of jokes when I was a kid about, of course. Uh, and I actually got a, a scholarship when I went to Emory from them. You know, I, I did a little essay about what I wanted to do. And it was at that time I wanted to be a, a doctor, the medical doctor, because he's the only doctor I knew growing up. And uh, it turned out I became a doctor of a different sort, homeopathic. Uh, but I just think it's interesting. I've not, not been to Lynchburg, Virginia. I might have to reach out. My dad's no longer with us. Of course, he passed away over 10 years ago. But um, that, that company uh, played a bit of a role in my education, interestingly enough. Well, fantastic, Robert. I'd love to go over and meet some of those folks, although I won't volunteer for an enema anytime soon. <laughs> no, you don't have to. So you and hey. Super Don both. <laughs> yeah, Super Don and I are, are brothers on that in that regard. Yeah, I, 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 won't do, I won't do battle on it. Look, whatever you want to do and to stay healthy, we want you to, to support you in that. Uh, so again, this weekend, heading out to uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. Y'all check out emord4va.com. Also, many other upcoming events I'll be talking about a little bit later. There's a lot, of course, in the news 
including Biden's attempt to here I have, you know, one of my shirts, we the people. And you see this in the shape of uh, uh, an AR-15. Um, the AR-15 is uh, basically a rifle, a semi-automatic, not automatic. You can't get an automatic. I think you'd have to have a special permission to do that. But uh, is there a definition in the federal uh, register for an assault weapon? Because I think they made that up. It's like it looks scary, yeah. so it's an assault weapon. An assault weapon is whatever they want to call an assault weapon, and they apparently have no idea what they're talking about when they say assault weapon. I mean, there's no definition, and there's uh, they just blanket, uh, you know, defame any use of a weapon uh, to protect yourself, and they assume it is for some illicit purpose, so they call it an assault weapon. It's not an assault weapon. It's a defense weapon. Yeah. And the, the vast majority of people in this country own weapons legally for their own self-protection. And the few that are engaged in criminality, they need to be arrested and prosecuted. Instead of doing that job, they uh, don't do it. They actually are allowing criminals back on the streets. They're not prosecuting them. They're maintaining an anti-incarceration agenda. And so they have this misplaced aggression. I'm talking about aggression. They go after uh, law-abiding people and demand that they relinquish their guns and violate their Second Amendment rights um, for what? For the purpose of stopping the law breakers from uh, committing acts of criminality with a weapon? If they want to go after those who break the laws, why don't they go after them rather than go after the law-abiding? And so it's misplaced. It's characteristic of Joe Biden. It's a power grab to extinguish rights. He does that with uh, rapidity and frequency. So I think um, what we ought to do is stand up strongly against it. I'm very worried because he's going to sign uh, his first two veto messages here in a minute, and it's going to put us in a pickle because it's going to take a uh, three-quarters vote of the Senate to override the, to override the presidential veto. Yeah. Well, there's some state level action um, looking at uh, the note. Well, here we got some great. Uh, Two-thirds, I think. Is it Two-thirds. What's the override in the? Well, you should have Robert. I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bolden, the 10th Amendment Center, is in the uh, audience now, and he's uh, let us know there are bills in at uh, the state level to ban a practice. You know, it's known as tracking. You know, per, gun purchase tracking. Yeah, uh, apparently Mississippi House passed HB 1110 to prohibit a financial institution or its agents from acquiring or assigning a specific firearm or ammunition merchant code to any firearms business located in Mississippi. This is great. Uh, similar bills in Florida, Senate Bill uh, 214, West Virginia, HB 2004, Texas, HB 2837 and a few others. Uh, that's, you know, 10th Amendment Center is tracking those bills to push back on federal overreach, you know, like the things Biden is doing. There's no basis in the Constitution to make these restrictions uh, within the, you know, the, the 50 states. So even if he does, we're going to see a lot of pushback in many states on this, that they won't participate. They will not be uh, basically forced to, uh, what would you say, aggressively, much less at all, uh, enforce something like this. A lot of states are just, no, it's not going to happen. Right, so, and they, they should assert uh, the protection of their own citizens' rights uh, against a federal overreach that exceeds the Constitution and then violates the Bill of Rights. They, that's precisely what the uh, uh, federalism is all about. I mean, you either 
you, as a state, you are obliged to defend the rights of your citizens if the federal government exceeds its power and violates those rights. Exactly. So we're seeing a lot of pushback. I don't think Biden would be successful. But what is this bill you mentioned he may be vetoing? Is it related to uh, uh, legis- firearms legislation or something else? Are you aware? Uh, so um, he's talking about two bills that he's contemplating vetoing. One of them is a disall- disallowance by the Congress of the United States for the District of Columbia to uh, ban uh, essentially um uh, uh, well, excuse me, to allow anyone to vote. Essentially, mm-hmm. anybody who's resident in the District of Columbia, I believe for 30 days, can vote under this pr- resolution. So non-citizens, including uh, communist Chinese at the Chinese embassy and anybody else in Washington, D.C. who's an enemy of the United States, will be allowed to vote just by being a resident in the D.C. area. So if in- I sneak in through Mexico and I'm not an American and I settle in D.C. for 30 days or more, I can vote now in election. Vote. Yep. And the law is in place, but it was interdicted by an act of Congress. They have this oversight uh, uh, of the District of Columbia. The District of Columbia is not a state, so it is under the jurisdiction of Congress. And Congress uh, nixed the action of uh, the District of Columbia to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Biden is threatening to override that action. And then uh, in addition, um, we have the what's what's the second thing that we have up on the agenda there for his other veto uh, let's see biden made comments during the house of the caucus um oh yeah the esg bill ah yeah so yeah this is a horrendous thing that is going to uh wreak havoc uh really ruin lending policies all across the united states by expanding the environmental, uh, social, and governmental, what is it called, uh, ESG, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, the, uh, basically it's a controlling mechanism by globalists uh, yeah. to harmonize everybody's beliefs into you know various forms of Marxism. So um, political decision-making to reign over uh, lending policy and mm-hmm. to allow far-left political decision-making to reign over it, such that they can have a litmus test that requires you to prove that you don't have carbon emissions or that what you're planning on doing would not have carbon emissions or would not offend a particular constituency that they wish to protect. Uh, and all of these type of political overlays, which uh, will be implemented through ESG, are things that would interfere with your ability to get a loan. Mm-hmm. And it would also be imposed upon uh, your accounts generally, including your 401ks, uh, so that it would prevent you from having investments in stocks uh, that are deemed to be, uh, to have a low rating on the ESG scale. So this is a disaster. This is a a political insinuation throughout the marketplace of all uh, financial transactions, and it will uh, intimidate and coerce private business into following a far left agenda. Uh, and it, it's, it's got to be uh, eliminated. And so he's going to veto the measure that Congress passed to interdict this uh, uh, whole movement. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to end up trying to you know, get his own agenda through as a result of the veto. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully there'll be enough outcry by the public and awareness by the public to prevent this. Yeah. And another thing Biden's uh, set to do, and he says his administration is committed to the WHO pandemic accord. We talked about that, I believe, last week. And, you know, my concern, once again, and maybe you can reiterate this, 
or maybe you've gone further into it, the idea that Biden could unilaterally uh, bind the United States uh, via executive fiat rather than going to the advice and consent of the Senate uh, to engage in, in, a, in a modification of an existing treaty or a whole new treaty in this case. Have you looked more into this, the way that this could be considered or declared unconstitutional with or without uh, uh, you know, a legal challenge or uh, you know, if Congress doesn't do its job? Well, under Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, the advice and consent provision, uh, the President of the United States has to seek the advice and consent of the United States Senate before entering into a treaty. He's doing the opposite here. He's unilaterally proceeding with an accord with the WHO. His argument is that it's a mere amendment to existing relationships and point of fact, following through on what the WHO is proposing will result in uh, a loss of our sovereignty, uh, totally taking over the private province of doctors and patients and the treatment of diseases writ large that are categorized as uh, ones that are the subject of an emergency declaration by the government. So it would be pandemics, yes, but it could all actually end up being uh, broader than that. So it's a huge uh, threat to individual sovereignty and to states' power over health and safety an invasion of federalism. And so uh, it, it's appropriate for the Senate to act unilaterally and to uh, disable the president from entering into the negotiation at, at the get-go, to just say that uh, this is a treaty and that the Senate of the United States forbids the president from entering into a treaty uh, with uh, the WHO on this basis. Um, hopefully that'll come to pass. Senator Ron Johnson has been raising a stink about this. Um, I'm not sure exactly what will come of it, but I do know that the White House is fully committed to signing this accord, which would be a real setback for American uh, safety, national security, as well as health and safety. Remember now, mm -hmm. if you turn over sovereignty to this or WHO, you're effectively term turning it over to Tedros, uh, Dr. Tedros, whose last name I can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> who has a long history of collusion with the communist Chinese. So this would be a real setback for us and it would threaten our national security. Yeah, the draft accord also requires the creation of an oversight body to enforce the accord, a global compensation mechanism for injuries resulting from pandemic vaccines and a global pandemic supply chain and logistics network to avoid shortages of necessary goods. Yeah, this is all again, transfer of wealth to the drug and, and vaccine industry that bears no liability actually, should they injure or kill. So it's it's pawned off on the taxpayers of planet Earth, much less those in the United States. And I, I got to ask, what is the, if he goes ahead and does this, even as you argue, <clears throat> this is a, a tantamount to a new treaty as opposed to what he's claiming. Oh, it's just, we're just modifying an existing one. But even that, wouldn't you have to go back? if Because if you could just change treaties at will that are already signed, then what's the point of advice and consent in the Constitution? Once it's done, you could just make up any rule in law and never go back to the Senate. Right. So if, if it goes through, and it will because he'll sign it and he'll make us bound by it by signing to it, um, then the Congress needs to take it up, whether he presents it to the Congress as a treaty or not, take it up as a treaty and, and uh, refuse to consent, reject it. Mm -hmm. And then they should sue him if he continues to enforce it against their wishes. Now, whether or not the Senate's dominated by Democrats, uh, you know, we, we have a one-seat one majority for the Democrats in the Senate, and so they can prevent the action by senators, but individual senators could also arguably sue against this 
because it's a violation of the powers of the Senate, including their individual power to provide advice and consent. So, um, so we could tie it up uh, long enough until you get in the United States Senate. Well, I, they have a provision that apparently would allow for immediate implementation upon signature. And so we may see this come to pass, uh, but that really underscores the urgency of getting people like me in there and getting a majority that is opposed to this and is in favor of health freedom. I'm certainly going to be a very vigorous advocate for health freedom, and I'm going to fight like the Dickens to make sure that individual liberty is protected against this overreach, not only this kind of overreach, but our own centralized government overreach where the pandemic response was dictated by the central government, the federal government, and to the exclusion and denial of the independent professional judgment of physicians nationwide. Not only did they have to relinquish any recommendations for early treatment, but they also had to uh, subscribe to this uh, orthodoxy in favor of the vaccine, which has proven itself to be an utter disaster. The vaccine has been horrific in its uh, adverse effects on the population and certainly is totally unjustified for giving to children. We need to have individual freedom of choice, full information, no restrictions by the government on the free communication of health information and by big tech. Um, ironically, as I say these things, uh, just recently, I've been doxxed by big tech. Uh, they cut out my LinkedIn. My LinkedIn cut out one of my posts that was a, 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 a radio interview or a television interview. I can't remember mm -hmm. uh, where I explained my opposition to uh, the WHO and also to the vaccine mandates. They cut hey, yeah, they don't like that at LinkedIn. We've been banned on and off for a long time, years here, and, and we're right now off of LinkedIn as well. You know, that's outrageous. And of course, when I get into the United States Senate, I'm going to take a, a meat cleaver to these folks. I mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is that uh, the First Amendment of the Constitution needs to be protected. These individuals have a privilege to uh, be free from, from uh, litigation associated with their own uh, republication defamation. What they ought to be uh, as a part of the condition precedent for them to proceed mm -hmm. is that they have to respect the First Amendment. Not only that, we already know of from the Twitter files the big, that uh, big tech has colluded with the White House to engage in this type of censorship. So we need a thorough exploration of that. And then we need to act uh, legislatively mm -hmm. to ensure that these individuals are not in the position of censoring the free flow of information on issues of importance to the American people. I think about the timing of you going into the United States Senate less than two years from now, approximately, and you defeat Tim Kaine, you get in there in Virginia, but you have a, a, I wouldn't say, maybe it's not necessarily considered the same thing as a bully pulpit, but certainly a place where you could use your great oratorical skills and knowledge of the Constitution, as well as the recent three years of experience for both Democrats and Republicans, some establishment, many establishment, uh, about the threats that we've, uh, seen manifest, not just threats, but actually a manifest against freedom of speech. And, you know, you and I have been arguing, you've been in the court systems beating back the FDA, the FTC, et cetera, on these issues of freedom of speech. And, and very few percentage wise, Americans really understood that long before there was COVID, there was a brutal restriction on freedom of speech in the health arena. It just became so obvious and overt that even the doctors were in the crosshairs for speaking out about what they believed was accurate, true, correct, all of that. And, and so I think it's a different environment timing wise to go in there with what you know, to really communicate things that I think will land that may have only had, you know, rare champions like Ron Paul speaking out about this level of freedom. Well, we've had uh, 
proof that we're being encircled at every single um, uh, point of entry into this country. We're encircled by socialism. I mean, we're, we every single area you look at, uh, the radical left is on the march, is in, in, is in control of government policy, whether it's the economy, the takeover of the economy by the climate change agenda, which is really a Trojan horse for socialism, or whether it's uh, the open borders, where there's no protection whatsoever for life, liberty, and property of American citizens, and we're bending over backwards to give incentives for individuals to pour into this country, not just individuals that want a job, but also individuals who are engaged in drug trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, and uh, illicit uh, fentanyl transactions, gangs, even terrorists. Um, this is an abdication of the commander-in-chief's responsibility to protect the people of the United States from an invasion. And that's not the only thing, of course. We still have this whole agenda operating to weaken our military based on a, a woke ideology that is causing people to be kicked out of the military. The whole vaccine mandates have destroyed much of the military, causing even people in the special forces who were invaluable to our nation's defense to leave. Many career officers had to leave. People in the health sector uh, have been forced out, doctors, nurses, healthcare providers of all kinds. Um, this is a destruction of the United States. Let's not be, uh, let's not mince words about it. Let's be direct about it. This is an attack on the United States and we need to rise up and defend our country against it. And we have to do something. That's why I'm running for the Senate. Mm -hmm. If we don't rise up and defend individual liberty against these incursions and a free enterprise system in this country against the move towards socialism, and if we don't uh, uh, defend our country's interests by protecting the borders, the game will be up. I'm sorry to say, in, the, in a matter of years, we will be absolutely uh, ruined by the kinds of abuses that are taking place and the speed, the rapidity with which they are implementing across the board through the regulatory state, a socialist agenda. So. The time to be alarmed is now. The time to act is now. The time to stand up for your country is right now. And if we don't, if we allow this to happen, it's going to be extremely difficult for us to come back. And in fact, our enemies worldwide will take full advantage of this. It won't just be a Chinese uh, surveillance balloon running across the United States exterior and through the interior and then uh, across the border into uh, uh, the Atlantic off mm -hmm. South Carolina, it will be greater. And indeed it's already happening. The infiltration of our industry, our government, our military is taking place. State secrets are being taken. Information about technology is being stolen from our, our industry. All of this to the advantage of an avowed enemy of the United States. Uh, the communist Chinese. The solution is to protect our interests, and we aren't. This administration is not doing it. And by giving up sovereignty over health issues to the World Health Organization, even being a member of the WHO, why are we paying money to the WHO? Why are we a member of the WHO? It does us no good. Why are we a member of the United Nations? Thank United you. Nations has yeah. really hurt the United States and our allies uh, for decades now. Uh, if we are a member of the UN, why are we giving them so much money? 
Why are we giving so much money to people who are enemies of the United States? We're, we're dumping massive amounts of oil and money to China. Yeah. From the petroleum, the, the National Petroleum Reserve, we gave, I mean, why, would, why did the Biden administration give so much oil from the National Petroleum Reserve to China? I mean, what is that? And, well, I, and now hitting the rock bottom bear of the barrel, literally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, of oil in the National Petroleum Reserve, which we said was essential to provide us with a greater security for national uh, security, national defense. And he uses it to try to moderate prices of gas at the pump, which are all a result of his total destruction of the fossil fuel industry in this country. It's, it, is a, it is a false paradigm they create. They create this false paradigm that the whole country will disappear uh, and, and the environment will be destroyed and, and all humanity will be uh, destroyed unless uh, we adopt wind and solar. It's false on many levels. Not only is wind and solar unreliable and extraordinarily expensive and intermittent so that you have blackouts all the time, but it's also has to be backed up by fossil fuels in order to prevent a complete breakdown in the power grid. <laughs> so you end up having fossil fuels feeding into the system and even worse, you ramp them up immediately when there's been a, a reduction in the wind or the, a cloud passes by and that ramping up and going back down and ramping up and going back down actually consumes far more fossil fuels than a steady supply of natural gas and it's, it's far worse for the environment. It's far worse for the environment to build these massive windmills that kill all the bats and birds and take all this uh, habitat of animals out of circulation and rely on all these rare earth minerals and then pollute the environment when they break constantly mm -hmm. are breaking. And then the same thing with the, the uh, solar panels. And all of these are made principally in China and we're spending, we're transferring huge amounts, hundreds of billions to the communist Chinese to make these things. And you're gonna take up several states. I mean, literally a third of the number of states in this country would have to be at a minimum uh, comprised principally of, of, of uh, windmills and solar panels in order to come close to providing energy comparable to what the fossil fuel backbone of the uh, energy sector provides. And it's a false paradigm we can have a, a clean environment and fossil fuels. Yeah. We have to allow for free market environmentalism. We have to allow for people to innovate. And furthermore, uh, the rest of the world is using fossil fuels at a very high rate. And if we go back to the stone age here, the rest of the world is gonna pollute and continue to pollute. And we, we produce the cleanest energy from fossil fuels anywhere in the world here in the United States before all this nonsense. And the idea that we're going to have a massive climate crisis is really based on hysteria. Yes, there is climate change, it's de minimis. Yes, there is a change in the environment caused by pollution, yes. And we do need to be dedicated to getting rid of pollution. And industry actually is, because it's inefficient and it's uneconomic. But to call for zero carbon emissions, which means that you will not drive a car, you will not uh, fly in an airplane, you will not be able to operate a stove in your house that has gas, you will not be able to have heat in the wintertime, you will not have air conditioning in the summertime. 
to have that environment and to say that a very unreliable, very intermittent and extraordinarily costly substitute in solar and wind should replace it is literally insane. What you are doing when you say that is you're saying that human life on the planet is less valuable and need not be protected compared to the to nature itself. And you're going further into another false paradigm, which is nature cared for by man is actually better for the animals and plants than nature let go. When you say what they call for is non-intervention, uh, the radical environmentalist wants no human being. They don't want people. They think we are enemies of the environment. They don't think we are a part of the environment. They don't want people. They want animals and plants to grow on their own. Except well, for them. Uh, except for them. They're allowed to be the people that are left over. Yeah. Whoever and, they are. Exactly. Yeah. And, but when it comes to, to the desert, for example, mm-hmm. man has done more to turn the desert green and to bring uh, animal life and plant life to the desert than any other creature. No other creature is comparable to man. We've done more to transform and reclaim lands that are arid, that don't provide any opportunity for life. So we have actually enhanced plant and animal life. And not only that, uh, fossil fuels fueling systems for uh, agriculture, for animal husbandry, for caring for animals and so forth all around the world has actually provided a stronger, reliable uh, base for the support of life including pumping water into arid regions, uh, providing for uh, transportation into those areas to sustain life of animals and plants. And I mean, the idea that we are enemies of the environment is a fiction. There is pollution. There are, there are negative things for both animal and plant life uh, writ large that are pollutants. But the history of our rise as an industrial society has been that we have improved the quality of the environment over and over and over again, not because of government, but in spite of it. And what we're going to do instead now is go down the path of greater environmental destruction and greater ruin as a result of the abandonment of fossil fuels. And it will be to our extreme detriment as a species, but it will also be to the great detriment of animal and plant life on the planet. I point out the examples of uh, communism, 20th and 21st century, uh, and you look at the environmental uh, assault under communist rule, and you'll see some of the most atrocious uh, destruction ever in the history of, of humanity under those uh, collectivist ideologies. Uh, so you you begin to recognize that environmentalists that proclaim we must reduce whatever they want to mention because of global warming, climate change, et cetera, are not really interested in the environment when it comes to things like uh, the tragic train crash in East Palestine, Ohio, and the dioxins and things that are out there that, that are known to be very toxic pollutants for animals and humans. And then the innovation that is already exists, already exists among those holistically inclined to remediate these things naturally, to help bind and remove from the people, much less the animals, all of these toxic poisons to help restore their health completely out of the equation, no discussion of it whatsoever. And the environmentalists that claim we're all, you know, by breathing carbon dioxide out are destroying the planet, which really we're making it possible for plant life to exist. That means every life form that we are uh, recognizing now, maybe finally that the so-called environmentalist movement is not a movement for enhancing 
the cleanliness of, of an environment, the habitability of any environment, but to reduce population. Well, the whole idea of, of that carbon dioxide is inherently evil is a wholly unscientific concept. Plants depend on carbon dioxide like we do on oxygen. And any change in the carbon dioxide levels that ticks it up a little bit actually helps plant life. It increases the uh, number of plants. It also increases the overall strength of plants. It causes plants to be bigger, hardier, stronger, uh, more prolific. So uh, there, the point is it's a complex mixture of factors. Uh, the greenhouse gas emissions idea is a good theory but in point of fact, in reality, there are many factors that affect the overall quantity of UV radiation hitting the earth, the overall greenhouse gas emission effect. Uh, and it's it, one part of that is human pollution, carbon-based pollution, but it's not the whole thing. And it's certainly not the uh, a, a, a most significant thing that alters fundamentally whether people can survive or animals can survive. Carbon dioxide is necessary for plant life. If you, if you so restrict the operations of man that you actually cause a reduction in carbon dioxide, you have the effect of diminishing plant life, which also hurts animal life and so on. So it's a very interesting situation. We have through thousands of years of interacting as a part of the environment uh, come along rather well as a species that has contributed to the life on the planet overall, plants and animals. Um, and to look at us as an alien life form that doesn't really have a place in the world and that we should be exterminated with whole population zero movement, you know, get rid of all humanity, uh, and that that's going to make the world a better place, it actually will do the opposite. It'll make the world worse. You know, in order to do environmental cleanup, whether it's caused by volcanoes or by other natural effects, tornadoes or other destructive forces, to go in and save animals and to reclaim property that has been destroyed by nature or by man requires a lot of energy. And that energy is not going to come from solar and wind. It is going to come from fossil fuels into the foreseeable future. Fossil fuels will be the world's source of principal energy, whether you use a windmill and have to back it up with a, with a power plant or not. Now, the, the other thing is nuclear power, which is actually a, an alternative, but that has been condemned by the environmentalists based on false representations of the overall threat of nuclear power to man. And strangely there, they concern themselves with statistics about human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, by and large, the argument uh, of the environmentalists, the, the radical environmentalists, has been one of hysteria. Oh, yeah. And, and it has exaggerated the negative effects and has not taken into account the existing ameliorative, ameliorative effects that counter. You know, you can't just say, okay. Um, the world is going to disappear because the water levels are going to rise so much that everything's going to go underwater. And you, you don't take into account all of the other effects that actually contribute to a lessening of global warming and a lessening. We, they predicted we are oblivion over and over again. They said by now we'd all be dead. Yeah. It hasn't come to pass. 
because their models are are bogus. They're actually their models have never been proven correct. Well, and, and yet able to avoid models again and again, even though they've yeah. been proven false over and over again. They they avoid any rational scientific discussion debate. You know, there's only a one size fits all, and there's only one side that is legit. Everybody else that has a question is a, a climate denier. You know, these kind of name calling things that they do. And it's like Everybody you, should read Alex Epstein's book. There are two books by Alex Epstein. Very good. Yeah. One of them is the moral case for fossil fuels. And he very meticulously goes through all the evidence and he shows that the models that are recited over and over again by those who are insistent that the world is ending tomorrow uh, the AOCs and so forth, are actually based on false uh, predicates. Not only false predicates, but also very limited information, not taking into account all of the factors that affect this complex and really very difficult to predict uh, weather environment around the world. When you look at the overall picture, as he points out, the change in global temperatures have been by a degree or two, but um, those changes have brought forth benefits as well as detriments. So when you only focus on the detriments and you don't take a, uh, a look at the benefits that arise, you give this, this false paradigm that the sky is falling, that the world is coming to an end. But when you take into effect the benefits of the change, um, it's actually rather remarkable because you end up with eras in, in uh, the history of the planet where foliage had spread largely across the universe and the, I mean, the world, and you end up with a, a period of remarkable uh, life and growth. And then you have other periods yeah. where it goes in the opposite direction. Yeah, throughout the history, there have been temperature shifts throughout the entire history. And we know a fraction of the real reasons other than I you think a lot. You know what's going to help us survive these differences in temperature, even if cl climate change were real? You know mm -hmm. what would help us survive? Fossil fuels. Yeah, we, yeah, don't yeah, fossil fuels. we can't live through it. Innovation within the uh, use through free market ideals and ideologies uh, that open up the innovation that is right. uniquely uh, available to the human mind. Yeah. And well. take, yeah. take a look at, at pollution at any specific point and saying that's going to go on indefinitely has been proven wrong and wrong again because mm -hmm. it's inefficient, it's uneconomic, and free market forces drive people to efficiencies, and those efficiencies involve a reduction in pollution. So you can, you can enhance that, you can do that with tax incentives and so forth, but the reality is that the world from the, the period of time in the 1800s and the Industrial Revolution to now has become much cleaner, and mm -hmm. in, in our own country, substantially so so that we have very clean uh, uh, sources of energy like natural gas. And it's really just a question of perfecting the technology, not destroying it and replacing it with a, another highly pollution-oriented, environmentally destructive technology that is actually unreliable, like solar and wind. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk to you about... Um FDA stuff in just a moment as well. But I want to pause and say thank you to Trinity School of Natural Health for their support of this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And they, they are openly supporting Jonathan E. Morton and his run for the U.S. Senate as well. Hi to Julie Whitman Klein and, and the team there. They're amazing. Uh, they're starting up the new classes, the CNHP, CHHP, and a number of other classes on Monday. 
so if you if you haven't already signed up and become part of that solution, and and I mean that for doctors and nurses out there that you look like now you're homeless because you realized your profession has betrayed you or all the reasons you went in to help people has betrayed you. There are other things you can do, and many of you are going now to Trinity. I appreciate that. Also, the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, where Jonathan and I go every year, you saw that picture from 10 years ago, uh, they have now made the actual in-person one a virtual one which we just had a couple of weeks ago and Jonathan submitted even new information there and I was just told that we actually still have access to that so if even if you didn't attend that weekend where it was replayed you still have a little under three months to watch it all so you can sign up I think for like 35 bucks to get access to everything go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com to check that out and uh, once again appreciate so much their efforts in support of health freedom and healing liberty here and elsewhere and, and Jonathan, real quick, as you go out into the world, you're doing a lot more interviews, both radio and TV and online podcasts. And it's fascinating that they're willing and open to talk about health freedom issues like never before. I mean, many of your constitutional yeah. discussions did not, when you were interviewed, maybe, you know, on certain political realms, but they didn't always go into vaccination politics. I mean, they, they, rarely could that ever happen. Now it's when we fought these battles, when I, I filed all this litigation against the FDA year after year and defeated them in federal court again and again, eight times and so on, all of that was essentially in a vacuum. And by that, I mean, it was inside the Beltway battles between me and a massive bureaucracy. Uh, and those fights went on and we were able to slay that dragon. But the point is that the public was largely unaware of the full what we were saying is sort of, uh, we were crying in the wilderness. We were saying, hey, look, we have got to recognize our First Amendment rights are being violated. We've got to stand up and fight for those rights. And furthermore, your health freedom is being violated, is being taken away from you by an aggressive regulatory state operating in the FDA and even the CDC. And people didn't listen to us until they actually felt it. They felt it in the pandemic. They saw the abuses of the agency. They saw the abuses of CDC. They saw that they were lied to again and again. They were manipulated into going in and getting the jab over and over again, even to, to this day being pushed to uh, go get uh, boosters when the evidences were in an endemic phase and the whole idea of get, getting the boosters is absurd because it's for a form of the virus that's not actually circulating in the vast majority of instances. So it's, it's, it's been nuts and people have uh, realized that they're not going in to get the jabs anymore. Only about 5% are, and uh, they appreciate that they've been lied to and they demand answers and they understand that Fauci betrayed this country by colluding with the Chinese to develop gain of function research that resulted in the creation of this doggone evil virus. But hey, how, how does Tim Kaine run away from his record on this? Because I, again, I think the majority of Democrats and maybe I'm overly optimistic are not really fans of what had has happened now. And they're trying to distance themselves from it. He's an enemy. I mean, what's so amazing about Tim Kaine is that on virtually every issue, he's at odds with the interests of the people of Virginia and the nation. So he, he here he is, he celebrates the whole vaccination campaign. He pushes for it. Denial. He was fully in favor of the uh, president's uh, unilateral executive order to deprive industry of the right to allow people to work without being jabbed or being tested weekly. Yeah. Fully supported that. Fully supported the shutdowns. 
fully supported the prior Governor Northam's uh, lockdown orders throughout Virginia that destroyed so many businesses. And he's been right behind that, fully supportive of it. And to this day, he's fully supportive of uh, the whole approach being taken by CDC. He's not uttered a single objection to any of these lockdown orders, to any of these orders by the President of the United States to force people to be masked and to be jabbed in order to go on public transportation, to be masked and so on. So he, he is uh, at odds with the vast majority of people in Virginia on that because they want their health freedom and he doesn't want them to have it. He wants government to dictate to them how they're going to run their lives, whether they have to have vaccines to go to school. But I want to see how he tries to run away from his record here. I, I just well, don't he, know. His record is appalling and it's hard, it's hard for him to justify it. Uh, he, he doesn't. He just says that this is the best thing. This is um, right. this. when it comes to like um, uh, other outrageous things he's done. He's, he's publicly endorsed this woman named Elizabeth Guzman, who was a Bernie Sanders socialist in Northern Virginia uh, and she introduced into the uh, House of Delegates in Virginia a bill that would have made it possible to prosecute parents if they dared recommend against the transitioning of their own children. That She would have made that a felony if that bill passed. It didn't. But then Kane comes out with this video that endorses her and says she's a model legislator. And I mean, it just goes on and on. If you go through all the research about his background, it's appalling. He's done nothing to stop inflation. He's done nothing to stop the open borders. I mean, look, he hasn't even objected to any of uh, Biden's actions. And furthermore, mm -hmm. he fully supports Mayorkas. He just recently endorsed Mayorkas saying he's doing a great job. Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Homeland Security Department, who's been opening our borders in the South and has been reassigning border patrol to administrative functions to courier elites into the country. He says that's, but uh, Kane says that Mayorkas is doing a great job. He fully supports them. I think your biggest challenge is just going to be the Democrat and Soros money to overcome name recognition, because when you're ta talking about it, this dude's record, it's embarrassing. Oh, it's I, I mean, I, I've, I've written a little book about him. It's called Who Am I? And uh, that little book uh, explains his positions on all the issues, the positions that he refuses to actually publicly take credit for. Yep. Uh, and that little book there uh, is what true what Tim Kaine would have to say about himself, forced to tell the whole truth and nothing but. <laughs> it's a it's it's a funny book, but it's also sad because what you write there is so accurate about his positions. Now let's go to the FDA here, as we got a, you know a few minutes left in this hour. Uh, Sacred Fire Liberty Hour, if you're just tuning in each and every week at this time, Jonathan Nemour joins me and we have a great time talking politics, economics, health, all of that, but all rooted in constitutional basis and freedom. Uh, the doctors are apparently bristling at a new FDA authority to ban off-label uses for drugs. Now, I'm not a big fan of drugs, you know that, but I'm a big fan of freedom. And I believe if physicians in their own right figure out there may be a way to use a drug off-label to help a patient. That should be between them and their patient. Fully informed consent, of course, and all of that. But at the same time, they don't provide any freedom to use a dietary supplement on or off-label to mention any kind of disease. So there's no level or fair playing field available. There's no free market for medicine or, or health or healing in America. Uh, so 
I'm still a support of doctors and their ability to use that. Of course, a lot of times the drug companies use deception to kind of get them to do it. But still, shouldn't it be the purview of a doctor who's been trained to say, hey, let's look at all the pros and cons here, work with my patient, figure out if we want to try this this way. And it looks like the FDA has been given to authority to ban that practice. The last thing we need in America is more bureaucratized medicine. We don't need people who are in the bureaucracy at FDA telling doctors on a day-to-day basis what they can and cannot say in the treatment of disease or in advising and prescribing drugs to patients. Here's the problem. You want to know how egregious this can be? About 90% of all prescriptions for pediatric use are off-label, about 90%. So when a, when a pediatrician sees a child and is trying to cope with that child's disease, that pediatrician more times than not will recommend an off-label use, whether it is a compounded drug that uh, they'll recommend or whether it is a drug in a different titration or form or whether it is a combination of drugs that aren't indicated for the, uh, that specific use, but nonetheless have been shown uh, by practice to be effective. Doctors need the freedom, as we all do, uh, to deal with disease on an individualized basis. Each of us presents disease differently. We have different uh, symptomology and the nature of the disease progresses differently in each of us based on our our health and also just our whole uh, history of, of dealing with disease. So if you start taking away freedom of choice by physicians and independent professional judgment, and mm-hmm. continuously substitute blanket rules by the bureaucracy against such things as off-label prescription. Oh. You destroy it. And here you destroy the practice of medicine, you make people sicker, you leave them without resort. And that's what happened during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. You go in there, a doctor can't uh, prescribe ivermectin or a hydroxychloroquine to you without taking a risk. So many of them didn't do it. And a lot of people suffered and died from that. They suffered and died because they weren't told of nutritional regimens that were necessary to keep their immune system operating or to even to minimize the extent of severity of disease. Never told that, never allowed to tell you that. And uh, other healthcare practitioners who could have chimed in and helped were completely barred from uh, communicating anything about COVID. This is not the environment that the First Amendment requires of us. The First Amendment disarms government of a power to super Uh, to be a super editor and to police the marketplace of ideas and information. It leaves to us the trust that we will decide in our own best interest, if fully informed. And it looks to a wide open and robust marketplace of ideas and information so that we ourselves can make our decisions for what's best for us and our families, not some stupid bureaucrat sitting in the FDA. Let me tell you a bureaucrat story real quick. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing that happens. So years ago, I was hired by uh, a uh, parents to to represent their child, who's I believe eight years old at the time, who had a glioblastoma, brain tumor. It was deemed incurable. He was uh, 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 trying to get access to Dr. Brzezinski's neoplastins. He had had neoplastins for a time, and the tumor in his brain shrunk, and the FDA kicked him off because he didn't meet the protocol. Uh, for their allowed entry into the clinical trial. And so I represented the parents and I went to the FDA and I'm talking to Dr. DeLapp, who was then the head of the oncology division. And Dr. DeLapp, I said, how can you possibly do this to kick him off the clinical trial when it was actually working? 
how can you do this? Would you do this to your own child? Would you do this to someone who's in your family? Disallowing them access to a treatment that was working for otherwise terminal illness after you knew from all the evidence that radiation and chemo actually hurt the kid, didn't help him, and you're, you're saying he's gonna just die, I guess. You're just consigning him to death because you're gonna not allow him to have an experimental treatment that was working. And the left just said, well, that's our opinion on the science and we don't believe that uh, this child should be given access to this clinical trial. The, per the parameters will not allow his entry. I said, are you a human being? Hmm. Do you have any idea what you are doing to all these kids? So to make a long story short, I fought with Dan Burton, who was then the head of the committee to get uh, this through. And um, we, we nailed uh, the FDA commissioner and he ultimately was embarrassed. He was threatened with the requirement to appear by subpoena before the entire public to justify the actions that he took to consign all these kids to death. And he chose not to do that. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he reversed his decision. So I get this text, this letter uh, uh, by fax in those days. And it said, we've reviewed all of the evidence you presented. And while we earlier said there wasn't a sufficient basis for concluding efficacy, we've changed our mind. And we now think that actually the area we thought was shading without proof of actual tumor reduction shows a substantial tumor reduction. He can go back on the uh, clinical trial. Well, by the time they decided that, Robert, it was too late and the tumor had spread and the poor boy died. Had they allowed him to continue with the neo anti-neoplastins, he may well have lived yeah. and survived that. Yeah, astonishing. I mean, you have seen and been party to a lot of battles against the bad guys, and we could say that. You know, are you human? That's a great question to ask. Embarrass them to, to action if it's even possible. Uh, real quick, want to remind everybody coming up, Sunday I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona at the Giving Tree at 5 p.m. local time there. Uh, for a health freedom event. Jonathan E. Mord has two major health freedom events, Monday and Tuesday. It'll be the 6th and the 7th of March. Uh, the first one, well, both of them, Dr. Jack Wolfson, who was on last week or even a few days ago, I can't even remember now. It's been, I think I was in Atlanta when we had him on. And boy, it's going to be amazing. If you can join us at one or both of those events, Scottsdale and, uh, well, both are in Scottsdale, Arizona. But check out emord4va.com. And we have those embedded, I believe, into the show notes today as well. And you can participate, even if you can't su support Jonathan's efforts to become the next U.S. senator in the state of, or the Commonwealth, as we call it, Virginia, and uh, bring that health, freedom, and healing liberty back to all of us uh, to a degree that hasn't happened in a long time at that level since Ron Paul was in the House of Representatives, that kind of ability to communicate. And we'd like to see those changes. And the environment has shifted since that time, Jonathan. So I think the success is inevitable but we still have to go through the motions to get you there. Yes, sir, Robert. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you down in Arizona. It'll yeah. be a blast, Robert. We're See gonna that. Have good vitamin D floating down from the sky, the sunshine that's not causing any problems for people to understand what we do here. Thanks, Jonathan. You bet. All right. Back uh, with water rights discussions. Uh, Chelsea Hope uh, out of Utah is going to join us. And a lot of other updates, including some special deals and sales I want you to know about to get yourself well and stay well. So with that, reminder, the power to heal is yours.
dude, there's a, a cool article that Super Don found. I, I, I could do a whole hour on it, but we're going to cover a lot of other things as we go. Uh, and you guys check it out at robertscottbell.com in the show notes today, March 2nd, 2023. Uh, and it's about r- repair and regeneration, how we rely upon the microbiome for even that. Stand by. You guys check it out. That's coming up. Uh, I do want to acknowledge and say thanks once again to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, Jamie Dorley and the crew. We uh, Every every month we get uh, information about the specials they have, like 15%, 20%, 25% off deals and things. And what you get here, because you're part of the Robert Scott Bell Show family, is an additional 15% off of that deal. So you can double dip on any sale items at Nutritional Frontiers. And I don't know, Super Don, if you can get the image up and we can see what's on, what are the deals for this month and all the things you want to take advantage of. I just got a big shipment for February on the deals they had there. Of course, March focus allergies. Why not? I I was just in Atlanta. I already saw the pollen dropping on cars. And it's only it was only February when I was there. Now it's March and we're getting close to that spring season. Now the way to heal it, of course, goes to gut and liver. But look at these formulas available at 15% off. Uh, and the Air Max, we've talked about healthy respiration. Enter DMG, which is one of my favorite formulas. I travel with it. We take it every day, my wife, my kids. The Enter DMG, which is the dimethylglycine to counteract all of the damage that happens primarily to the gut, but not exclusively of exposure to glyphosate, even in things you don't think have it. Uh, the Enter DMG, 15% off. Take advantage of that because you're going to get an additional 15 with the RSB 15 discount. Also, uh, there's a shake of the month in their Irish shake, uh, super shake, vanilla, pro oranges, all kinds of good stuff. So check it out and support them. You think that's like a shamrock shake? Like, Probably. Uh, yeah, that's my yeah. guess. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Also, of course, the CBD certified organic U.S. grown hemp CBD, CBDNF.com. The 15% off works there as well. And uh, thank you again. And we're going to see you in, uh, well, Clearwater Beach, Florida, the 1st and the 2nd of April. There'll be an evening the 31st of March there in Clearwater. And there's they're selling out fast, Mind, Body, Soul Restoration. And I'd love to see you at that event. And that's just following the tour in Virginia uh, with Jonathan Emore, the three-city tour we're going to be doing. So there's a lot of upcoming events we need to add, I guess, to the upcoming events tab, which is a good thing that I think we just finally got the poster for the big event at the end of April in Nashville, Tennessee. If you can show that, go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. Super Don, as soon as you know he gets the information, he uploads it, and then we have more. Well, not as quick as, as I probably should, but well, <clears throat> now anyway. I try. All right. Yeah, upcoming so, events. Uh, what are we looking for here? Uh, the big new event that you added. It's a giant size poster with all the oh, great. Oh, that people. one. Yeah. Yes. That one's coming up, and let's see where it is. And uh, Super Don, put it on screen momentarily. Because I can't keep up with all the details myself. It's uh, <laughs> keep keep stalling. Keep well, you stalling. I'm gonna keep going, keep going. Come on. All right. So the Functional it. Medicine Summit and Expo. Why is this not working? Tennessee. I don't know. April 28th, 29th, and 30th. Thanks to our friends, Dr. Terry Warner and Dr. Stu Warner, a married couple doing a lovely That's really bizarre the wellness parenting uh, revolution. Well, I'll just say, but prior to that, oh, April there we go. Okay, 22nd, we've got the uh, Be Healthy Utah men as well, Friday, Saturday. Right, there you go. This is the one I want you to know about. Uh, we're coming back to Nashville. Uh, Dr. David Brownstein, old friend, 
I haven't seen him in years. Dr. Krishna Donaparthi, who just joined me at the Next Steps Conference. He's a brilliant, compassionate doctor. And we had him on the show, too. Yep. And Dr. Yep. Uh, James Neuschwander, we've had him on the show. Dr. John Witcher, we want to get on the show. He's running for governor in Mississippi. He's also a physician, a holistic integrative physician. Uh, Dr. Avery Jackson, Judy Mikovits, our friend. Uh, Christina Parks, PhD, one of the smartest people you'll ever meet, along with Judy Mikovits. Uh, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Charles Rouse, Dr. Jordan Vaughn. Christina Rahm, who's also a super intelligent. All these women are so super smart. You can't compete. I won't even try. And uh, Dr. Ed Group, our buddy. And I'll be there, of course, speaking and emceeing that event. And there are 18 hours of CMEs applied for for uh, doctors that want to attend and get additional credits. I know we'll have the health, uh, the Nurse Freedom Network, uh, Remnant Nursing, uh, probably Kimberly Overton as well. And I'm probably going to go, my, my, my sense of where I need to go now is more into protocols for how do I do what you say that can be done? And so uh, the, that will be an important part of that weekend. It looks like learning from the world's most published and credentialed doctors, experts in the field, share newest findings, best COVID protocol. So a lot of focus on what you can do, solution-oriented. Uh, so I, I just want you to plan to be in Nashville the 28th, 29th, and 30th of April. And uh, if you wanna be a vendor, you can email Drs. Warner, DRS Warner at protonmail.com. As I mentioned, just prior to that uh, is the Utah event. And we're going to talk a little bit about Utah. If we have our guest, yeah, our guest is going to be here momentarily. Uh, Chelsea Hope scheduled to be with us. And I don't know if she can go horizontal. I see her. You see her. Uh, it's vertical. The, the visual image she's got. See if you can tilt that over and maybe go horizontal when we bring her in in a few minutes. Uh, but also the Goody Farms Homestead in Southwest Missouri is hosting the RSB Family Union, the first one ever. Not a reunion because we haven't done it. It's the first one ever, the union, no. July 14th through the 16th. Uh, <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm watching. She, we, we don't have you on screen, Chelsea, but I... Yeah, I don't we, yeah. your, it's okay. But try she, she's, she's, she's turning around. It's not doing anything. So we may have, we, we may have to go... Uh, she's got her screen lock on, I think. You know, when that happens? I don't know. Is screen. it a phone or a tablet? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a phone, and yeah. it won't rotate. That's weird. It might be a maybe oh, re reboot the phone and reconnect. We're okay. On that. <laughs> so let me just go back into the uh, upcoming events tab. I just want to remind you: uh, Be Healthy Utah is the twenty first. Oh, 20th. look, she fixed it. Oh yeah, look at that. Well there we done. go. Healthy. All right. Be Healthy Utah, uh, and again, uh, April twenty first, twenty second. Shane and Liz Watt are putting that on, and I'd love for you to consider coming down. And, and many of you nurses out there, uh, that'll be another great event for you. And then um, later in the year, September 14th through 17th, the Las Vegas Las Vegas Biomed Expo, where I'll be speaking and moderating some panels, health science, technology, business, and consciousness. If you want tickets or information, go to biomedexpo.com, biomedexpo.com. And one other thing I do want to once again acknowledge, if you guys haven't tried this yet, you're, you're, man, you're missing out. The Folium PX that Babry. Oren has brought to our attention and has brought to my mother that has, I think, saved her life. She's back to dancing again. And that is foliumpx.com, F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com. You get a 10% discount or free shipping something. Just call them. Let them know the Robert Scott Bell Show sent you. And you could try, you could start out with the, the main thing. And then there's two other, uh, folium immune, folium relax. And this is what my mom has done to get her when nothing else seemingly was taking her where we needed to get her back on her feet to dance, get the energy back. Foliumpx.com. As well as for my wife, the energy bits, energybits.com. And you can use the code RSB20 for that to get 20% off. 
Uh, and she's just, like I said, shoveling snow outside. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> and speaking of snow, we got a lot of it out west this year. Super Don, you've been having yeah. a lot of snow in Oregon? Yeah, there's still snow on the ground right now. It's kind of melting now, but uh, last couple of days we got pretty decent amount. Yeah, we're talking layers and layers. It's like uh, in the, the I think you've gotten mountain. way more than we did. Yeah, but it, yeah. It's, it's astonishing because there's been such a drought. I was looking California, even Southern California. The only problem in Southern California, they let most of it run right out to the sea, and then they go, oh, we have a water crisis. We don't know why. Oh, it's global mm -hmm. warming. I mean, a bunch of morons. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, because, you know, out here, you know, that picture of Mount Shasta that I showed you uh, when we were taking yeah. the, the, the day trip to my sister's, I mean, we've just got, got you know, hammered with all this snow. And, you know, the running joke right now, and it's probably not so much a joke, Mm -hmm. Is that you got all this snow and, you know, I mean, you know how it works, you know, it warms up and the snow melts and it goes into the lakes and the rivers and the reservoirs and all that kind of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, are they still going to say we're in a drought? Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not a scientist, but I assume snow equals water at some point, right? You know, and what does drought mean? Drought means lack of water. Yeah. So if the snow melts and you now have water, you'd think yeah. that ought to do something about the drought, right? I'm, you look, I'm all for using water more efficiently, not wasting a resource that could be in certain areas more scarce than in other areas. Back in Atlanta, when I lived there, there was times for years of drought and then the water came back. There's a cycle associated with it. Now, some would argue maybe they're manipulating weather. I'm not going to go into that right now. Well, but who gets to control the water and the use of water? Is it a local issue? Is it a state issue? Is it a federal issue? Is it a World Economic Forum globalist well, issue? You know, and not to try and immediately jump into some type of cons conspiratorial uh, space on this whole thing. But I've heard things over time and I've read things over time where there are people that are trying to buy up water rights because if you control the water, mm -hmm. you control everything. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. No, very quickly. I mean, you control the food, you control everything, but a little slower because people could store it. It's right. hard to store enough water. And remember, I, I don't know if it's Oregon where they said you can't collect water or it's Washington State off your Somebody, own. Yeah, somebody was collecting rainwater and they got arrested or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Why is that? Why is that? It's an interesting question. Well, uh, answering maybe some of those questions, the controversy of this issue is Chelsea Hope. She's joining us now for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We have her linked up. Uh, at our Facebook page. I don't know if there's a website, Chelsea, we need to have from you that we don't have, but uh, welcome. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> I do. I do have my own site, but I'm really on there. So um, if you want to go to wearethepeople.org, uh, utahfreedomcoalition.org, and defendingutah.org, any of those three, there's actually a lot of great groups here, Patriot grassroots groups here working together and kind of teaming up. And I've, I'm kind of working alongside all three of them. So they they will put my stuff up. So you will you can find it. Wearethepeople.org. Okay, Super Don, grab yeah. that. Wearethepeople.org to check that out. Now, the issue of water rights, I mean, you'd think it'd be the localist of local issues, but are there agendas from a globalist perspective uh, and, and are there treaties signed on or even a governor of a state says, hey, you know, we're going to control it based on the World Economic Forum? I mean, I wouldn't put it past these agendas at that level that they have creep, crept down into the localist of levels to restrict water flow uh, for the people who most need it, like farmers or people growing food in their backyard like I do. Right. And, you know, 
with that, there's so many different layers and levels. Um, but in my research here in Utah, I have been kind of researching our um, legislators and our executive branch members, and there is a lot of corruption here. You start to see a lot of funding and ties and partnerships with um, NGOs that they also sit on the boards of that are partnered with the World Economic Forum, United Nations, and these global elite, you know, members who have this agenda. Um, we are having bills passed left and right here in Utah that is kind of taking our local power and our local water commissioners and centralizing that power to our governor who has become very tyrannical. Uh, Cox is, Spencer Cox here is, um, he, he's become a dictator. We're calling him Dictator Cox now, but um, all of this power is centralizing to our governor and state engineer. Um, they are trying to pass a bill right now that would give him the ability to shut our water usage off under eminent domain, under a, a, a temporary water shortage, so they can take and damage private property in order to do so. And then they also get to decide the priority of who gets water over who. Who's essential? Um, Remember that in COVID? You're not essential. Jay, right. you, like, what about your life? It's not essential that the governor or the government gets to decide. Is there right. much pushback on this? I know you're working uh, tirelessly on this issue. Is there much pushback against Cox getting that kind of power or any governor? You know, our, uh, from the people, yes. Um, the legislators, though, they're just walking right, right over us. So we had last session, thousands of people show up to the Capitol. We've had quite the show up this, this session as well. Um, last session really upset a lot of people because we had a member who, because one of our legislators didn't want to hear what he had to say, uh, they had him arrested for wearing a We the People shirt, denied him as attorney, dragged him to the basement of the uh, of the Capitol. And so there was a lot of outrage with that. So people so have been- if I was there right now, I'm wearing a We the People shirt in the shape yes. of the, they, they probably not like what I'm wearing. Uh, I think that uh, the fear uh, is- if they get away with this, it's like, how do you, how do you get it back when they, when they eliminate like the peaceful ways, like you're going to the legislature, the Capitol and, and lobbying to say, Hey, this is not a power any governor should have much less, you know, governor Cox at this point. Now I, there are some victories this time. I just heard that uh, they, they, they basically passed a law that would stop vaccine passports from happening here, not only about COVID vaccines, but all vaccines. So they wouldn't be able to restrict you and your freedom based on your vaccine status. So there's some good news. Yeah. Uh, yes, and it's been it's been quite a fight. To get, I feel like we get one good bill passed to every bad twenty bills. <laughs> um, they they did last session um, pass a bill where they can do forced isolated quarantines on us, um, but thankfully we were able to get something passed through here, um, protecting us from from the vaccine passport. So there are a few good things happening. We do have a handful of legislators that are fighting for us, but it does seem like nine tenths of them are are sold out. Um, we do know that they are making deals, you know, I'll vote for your bill, you vote for mine, um, right. and deciding ahead of time what they're going to vote on. So it's almost as if the people don't have a say unless there are massive amounts that show up for a specific bill. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are, there are some good things happening. Um, but with, with the water, uh, <laughs> you know, one thing that people kind of need to realize there's been Epic Times actually did a great um, video, and I can send you the link if you want to post that for yeah. people. But he talks about the just severe mismanagement of of the Colorado River um, over the time. And there is somebody who actually went up to the Continental Divide. He videoed his his entire journey, and I have that link as well. And he got up to the source 
of the water in the snow melt where the water is supposed to flow into the Colorado River. And he found that they've actually um, dug canals and they're diverting water east before it even has a chance to hit the Colorado River. Um, and so I started kind of looking into the water here. And one thing that people kind of need to realize is they focus a lot with this drought narrative in the West. Um, on they'll focus in on one reservoir or one dam, but they're constantly releasing water. And where water comes down, it's released to somewhere else, another level comes up. But you don't see the whole picture. They focus on you know, one reservoir, one dam. And we have so many high hazard um, ratings here for our dams, which means that if the, if the dam were to break, there's so much water, it would cause so much destruction to life and property. It's high hazard. And you go up, up uh, higher into the mountains and all these reservoirs are completely full. It's just the reservoirs that they manage that, that seems to, to show us how, how empty they are to uh, basically to keep a narrative of drought going. Right. Uh, and, and that mm -hmm. includes, as you said, uh, diverting away from the Colorado River Basin, which would end up uh, not going into, was it Lake Powell, like one of the big uh, recreation areas uh, outside mm -hmm. of Las Vegas, southern or northern Arizona, southern Utah? Yeah, Lake Powell, Lake Mead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Lake Mead has massive, you know, flash floods, water in there all the time. And you've got videos of fishermen there stating that, you know, this doesn't make any sense that with all this water coming in all the time, how it's going down that much. I mean, they said that Lake Powell went down 45 feet in one year from just evaporation. That's so are, there, are, are there any investigative journalists uh, that are looking into this? I know you are and there are a few others, but uh, this is not making uh, I don't even see it on like Tucker Carlson. Sometimes he covers things like this on a national level through Fox News. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that's that's. Something that I've been trying to warn people about is the water, and I'm trying to wake people up to the water because we're focusing on so many other things. And in the meantime, they are coming in, our water, our infrastructure. Um, I mean, they want to electrify everything, our transit system, make everything smart, where the grid's not going to be, be able to handle it. And they talk about shutting the grid down. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff going on with our water and our agriculture that people just aren't paying attention to. And last uh, last summer... Deer Creek here, which supplies 50%, or I'm sorry, water to 50% of the state municipality and ir irrigation, they were draining that reservoir. Um, and I, I don't know if you've heard much of the narrative here about the Great Salt Lake. Yeah, I was um, going to ask you about that. I mean, you've got this uh, incredible, unique feature outside of the Dead Sea in Israel. You've got the Great Salt Lake, this inland salt, super saline, uh, unique environment. And, I, you know, dropping down once again into, hey, is it evaporating? Is it going away? And yet... This year, they've had record snowfalls, uh, the, so much so that I think it's risen at least a foot, foot and a half already. The question is, are they diverting it away from the lake? Or are they going to divert it to the lake and make sure no one else can farm? What's the status there of the, uh, the attempts to so-called save the Great Salt Lake? Yeah, so we found some things with that. <laughs> um, so Deer Creek, they were draining the reservoir, and they came out with, oh, my gosh, it's down to 42% capacity of the drought but we have video of them draining water for two weeks. So when I tried to figure out where it was going, none of the water departments here in Utah have any such records of where it went, but they have copies of letters going to shareholders that they're only gonna get 90% of their water due to, the due to the drought, but they don't know where our water that supplies 50% of the state is going when it's being released. And the manager there had said it was going to the Great Salt Lake. And I said, well, what is it doing going to the Great Salt Lake? That's a dead sea, we're supposedly in a drought, that's our it's our drinking water it, going into a dead sea. We can't drink it anymore. So I really started looking to the Great Salt Lake and I had a friend send me some stuff 
and I came across, they are, um, basically, we have got a bunch of, and it's right on our government website, you can find it on there, but um, tunnels and canals and um, underground tunnels as well, but water being diverted, all of our fresh water, most of it at some point meets up with the Provo River, drains into Utah Lake down Jordan River into the Great Salt Lake. So they've been draining fresh water in there. Um, they are actually mining for lithium out there. And in order to mine for lithium, you have to evaporate a ton of water. It takes right. half a million gallons of water to mine one metric ton of lithium, which makes about 190,000 cell phone batteries. Um, we had, I think it was a U.S. magnesium. We have a bunch of companies out here mining, but, and, and, you know, the people aren't getting the truth. They're not getting the side of the narrative of why our Great Salt Lake is drying up. They want to blame it on global warming, but one company boasted that they, um, in the course of a year, evaporated 40 billion gallons of water to mine for lithium and magnesium. And we've got um, the Lithium King out there, which owns about 1,760 acres of our salt flats out there. Um, and what they do is they evaporate the water through the salt and then they crush it to, to mine the lithium. Um, and that is owned 100% by British uh, Columbia in Canada. Um, Energy Solutions out here in Utah has also made a deal with, LG, or I'm sorry, Compass Minerals has made a deal with LG Energy Solutions um, which is the one of the main suppliers for Tesla. And yeah, technology, rare earth minerals. Uh, we've yeah. talked about the environmental destruction associated with mining for rare earth minerals. I mean, you open pit scars that you leave, uh, all the while having to use the so-called hated fossil fuels in their you know production and mining technology. So there's nothing clean and green about it. And yet no. they're starving the people of water for this. Right. Yeah. Well, and LG Energy Solutions is also partnered with China. So what they're doing is they're evaporating our water and minerals here to give to China, our enemy. Um, and we've got one company alone has a 65,000 um, infill solar evaporation pond. And another one has a 55,000 solar evaporation pond. Um, so they are massively evaporating our water out there. And so, oh my gosh, it's drying up because of climate change. Well, it's a lie. Cox, yeah, our dictator uh, Cox comes out, our governor here, and basically he made a proclamation. They've been trying to get us to conserve. And and one of the things that people need to realize with is all of these um, grants and subsidies, like ripping out your lawn or your turf to put in non-agriculture lawn and turf um, to conserve water. Well, now you've ripped out your ability to plant agriculture for yourself. Correct. And while yeah. For the agriculture, these these things are so manipulative and calculated but um they just came out with a new bill here um i'm not sure if it's been passed yet or not i think it's on the senate floor this week but it basically states that if you change your mind and you decide that you you don't want that non-agriculture turf and soil and you want to get rid of that and put grasses and, and plants back in um you're gonna have to pay all that back and if you don't they can put a lien on your property wow and, I mean, we do know that there, I mean, this is for another day, but there are attacks on seizing our private property and land. They do want to pull people from rural areas and push them into urban areas. There's a lot of evidence that we have of that. I'm happy to go over that another day if you want to. Sure. Um, but Cox came out with a proclamation basically stating uh, that we need to conserve, we need to be conserving more water. And they have basically suspended our right to apply for new water rights or have our, our water rights and shares that we already have appropriated to us, they are suspending that right 
to send water to the Great Salt Lake, to save the Great Salt Lake um, for the birds and the, uh, the brine shrimp. Now I looked into the brine shrimp and that is a billion dollar industry. And we just so happen to have legislators that sit on boards of companies that harvest well, brine yeah, shrimp. Profit from the brine shrimp trade, if you will. So corruption, not unusual in government. Every time you centralize bureaucracies, uh, industry is much, well, easier for them to basically manipulate through sending money their way, you know, and and rather than uh, recognizing that the government was established to protect the rights of the people. Now you have artificial creations of the state, also known as corporations, basically gaining rights that are not theirs by their birth, other than the granted privileges that the government gives them as their you know, creator. But unfortunately, many people, even in Utah and other states, believe the government is their creator and that they get rights from government. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, deprogramming from the cult of government that needs to happen even among the so-called Republican conservatives of Utah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that I, I want people to realize is, you know, Utah is the pilot state. They passed a bill where they could it, it was basically a sneaky workaround. If they couldn't get a bill passed, they bring it as a pilot program because they passed a bill basically saying that they can bring in pilot programs for a certain amount of time, but then they just keep extending the sunset date. And so, for instance, ranked choice voting, I think that's kind of becoming a more nationally known thing. We've been fighting it here in Utah for decades. It came in as a pilot program decades ago, and it just keeps being extended. So there isn't any, there aren't any bills that have been passed saying that we have to do our elections that way. It's a surreptitious thievery, if you will, of the constitutional processes to mm-hmm. do that, uh, as yeah. you point out. And, and of course, ranked choice voting is designed to put more collectivist Marxists in office. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. So yeah. Utah is the pilot state. We have a lot of pilot programs coming in through here, and you are going to start to see what happens here trickle through the other states in the country. And we do have the World Economic Forum and the United Nations partnered our legisl- a lot of our legislators are partnered directly with them. Mitt Romney, our senator here, is everybody loves him, right? Is um, partnered directly with with them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of partnerships. These, you know, non-government organizations and these private public partnerships is how they're ushering this in. Chelsea, but- why do you think they chose Utah as a pilot state? I mean, is it the uh, obedience of its people to government? Because I. I think that is a huge part. I think our land, you know, our land out here is very rich in minerals. I think there's a geography aspect to it. I think we know there's a fight between the light and the dark right now. There just, there just is. I think there's a spiritual aspect to it. But I think, I don't think people here could, Utah tends to be the family. Nothing could be wrong here is Zion on a hill state. Nothing could ever, ever. They take advantage of that naivete. What was that? We take advantage of the naivete of the people, perhaps. Yeah. And we are a very kind state. And um, I just think that, I think with the church here as well, we've got a lot of um, things going on between the church and United Nations right now as well. Um, but they are, they're very, we are, we're obedient. We don't think anything bad could happen here. And because of that, nobody's paid attention and they no. just knock things right through the back. We door. need the, we need the fighters to come out. We need the warriors to come out and recognize it. If you are nice to tyrants, you get more tyranny. Exactly. Just like Canada being nice to tyrants. You do not gain friends. They take advantage of you. They will squash you like bugs that they believe you to be because you're behaving basically under a hive 
mentality interesting as they call a you know beehive state yeah. uh and you know if you're if you're going to be like that the board are going to take you over yeah exactly and you know we've got the uh family friendly drag shows here on the corners almost every weekend lately there, there's a, a photo that was taken here of a little two-year-old sticking dollar bills in a um transgender Dude, that's bizarre yeah in his you know undergarments uh out, out in in family public parks and i mean we're we're supposed to be a very religious and family-oriented state and yet we've got people here that are allowing it because they want to be kind yeah no listen you can you can kill people with kindness or be killed yeah. by your kindness and you've got to withstand that uh, uh, let's say inappropriate kindness that is people that are trying to kill you enslave you steal from you uh right. basically you you do not uh, you're not obligated to be kind to them you can be detached and loving in a spiritual sense but you've got to defend your rights to life and liberty and property and i think maybe the wake-up call is on in utah over these issues chelsea how do people learn more about what we're talking about um, like I said, the links, the, um, especially Defending Utah, We Are the People and Utah Freedom Coalition are the three main groups I'm working alongside. We are researching, you know, our documents and what they're doing. We're researching bills. We're outlining what they're doing in their bills, how it goes along with Agenda 2030, actually. We have certain things, things that need to be in place in Utah by 2030 specifically. Um, but we are very diligently and tirelessly researching this stuff and putting it out on these web on these sites um i've been doing some podcasts with we are the people so there's some videos with you know we pull up um i've got slides where i, I show you their own documents their own bills that it's, it's all their own stuff um i was on that show uh the we are the people then i okay i remember now i can see the connection here with everything this is good okay um, yeah. yeah no they're great um yeah we've done a few episodes together and it's uh, his his channel's kind of taken off. I think people are thirsty for the truth. Um, so, but we've got more coming. Yeah, we've got to get him on the show uh, as well. Uh, but I appreciate all that you're doing. And I know there are some wins, as I mentioned, but you, as you said, for every win, there's like 20 disasters that occur as well. Uh, if you guys understand that what happens in, you know, they say what happens in California happens everywhere. Well, what happens in, what's happening in Utah is a, a, there, there, look at that. That's the episode I was on. Way to go, Super D, you found it. Um, and I think we were talking about some really cool uh, discussions about some spiritual perspectives on what's going on. Uh, so yeah. we've got a lot more to do, of course. And I know this legislative session in Utah is about to come to an end, which gets a little crazy toward the end. But it's yeah. not it's not ending what you're doing or for those people that are in Utah concerned about these issues. It's just it's just for many. It's just beginning to push back right. on the globalist agendas or these corporate agendas to steal the wealth of of what's right under the feet of the people of Utah, which there's plenty right. of energy, there's plenty of minerals. And to do that in a way that's managed by the people rather than by globalist corporations. Exactly. Yeah. We need the people to take their power back. And I, people have just gotten so conditioned and normalized over time to, and you nailed it earlier, to we think we get our rights from the government and that couldn't be further from the truth. So, and you know, and, and like I said, we live in a religious state and I, if anybody from Utah is watching, I just want them to know, I mean, We've got these drag shows and, and the pornography in the schools here. Yes, it is in Utah, out of all states. And, you know, Jesus wasn't kind to the sinners. He threw them out of the temple in righteous anger. And we need to be expelling this darkness. And Yeah, there is righteousness in, in the anger that is uh, 
uh, directed toward those who would uh, corrupt our children for sure. And, uh, you know, we're a freedom loving people. I know that, but the freedom to violate our rights is not a freedom that anyone should enjoy. But if we, if we roll over and let it happen, it's our, it's our fault too. Maybe it's all our own fault. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, one of the things as well is the uh, water meters, the smart water meters. Um, we know what happened in Denver, Colorado. They had their meters shut off on them. Um, their air conditioning and heat. I don't know if you remember that, but Colorado had their uh, heat just, or I'm sorry, AC just shut off on them. Yeah. Smart so, meters are not there to be smart other than to be uh, corrupting um, ways to basically enslave the people. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, we've got, a. so we, our, our, uh, public officials here love Rockefeller. Rockefeller's everywhere. They've brought them in through our inland port. They've brought them in through the affordable housing. Um, just so people are aware the, uh, affordable housing is being done through something called opportunity zones. It's a billion dollar industry and it's run by Rockefeller. Um, and they're bringing in all the, the smart homes and smart devices. And then they're plugging you up to the smart you know, heat and energy. Um, and then- people, stop it. Smart yeah. homes are for stupid smart. people. Smart cities are for stupid people. People that are wanting to be enslaved, captured, yeah. restricted. Yeah. Enough. I, I mean, I can't be nice about this. That's what it's for. That's exactly what it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, water meters, the smart water meters are going to plug into all of that. And they have this new, it's called Astera, A-S-T-E-R-R-A. And World Economic Forum, United Nations has teamed up with them, but they have this satellite system where they can now see um, kind of the water infrastructure and where there's leaks and stuff, but they've got sensors down there. And so they're able to monitor kind of the water flow and um, they are they are setting it up to right now they've got two way communications right with the smart meters they're setting it up to the smart um, control valves but they're going to be able to digitally shut you off to water like that as well whenever they want. Yeah, um, Chelsea, this is a big issue. I'm telling you, and, and I know it's focused on Utah what you're doing, but if it if it succeeds here again, it's proof of concept for them. And if the people yeah. of Utah don't stand up for their in defense of their freedom, uh, you know who will, right? As far as the people of the church, primarily, they've been persecuted and prosecuted and uh, been battered and you know beaten, and it's not long ago. But if the Jews in Israel can forget about the Holocaust because of you know COVID passports that they went through, then yes, the people of, of the Mormon faith could forget as well the persecution of their you know people that believe what they believe. So it, folks, you know, are only one one generation away from losing it all. Right. No. Exactly. You know? And, you know, all of, all of this smart stuff is they've got a utility grid as well, obviously. That, and you hear about these solar panels, and I've been warning people forever about these solar panels from the federal government for free. Because anytime you take funding or anything free or grants or subsidies from the government, stop. Stop. They are stealing a portion of your money in the form of taxes, and then they're giving a portion of that back to you if yeah. you use it way there are always conditions involved there are always restrictions yeah again don't believe it. well it's free they give me a grant no these things always yeah. come with strings mama should have told you there ain't no such thing as a free lunch and uh, I more people would grow up and mature uh and, and especially the nice people you know oh i don't want to i don't want to rock the boat i'm sorry guys you're going to be tipped over and drowned if you don't rock the boat at this point 
So Chelsea, let's stay in touch because there's a lot going on here. Maybe a follow on after the session or if there are other events that uh, we can talk about. I know that there's an upcoming event, uh, Be Healthy Utah in April uh, down at the Sandy Convention Center, that area. And that's an area where you could reach out a lot of people that might not know of this, that would be willing and open to learn about it. So uh, I know you'll stay engaged and the people from Defending Utah are on it. So um, it's not time to rest on any laurels. It's time to get active. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that, and you know, exactly, we need to stop being kind about things. It's time to step up and fight for our rights and and fight for the future of our children. Because if we don't fight for their future now, yeah, it's going to point they won't be able to to do it. They're going to be in a digital prison cell, cursing your memory. Is that what you want, y'all? No, I don't think so. Uh, Chelsea Hope, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for stopping by the show for the first time here. We'll we'll connect again because what you're doing is so very important. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if we can spread the word about the water, that'd be that'd be great. So all right, links are up. Super Don added the links as well, since we now know of where else people can learn about this, wherever you are. And think about the people of Arizona and Nevada, Las Vegas and Phoenix. You guys are dead in the water. Seriously, if they're siphoning the water away from the Colorado River the way Chelsea had described, you're done. If, yeah, no air conditioning in the in the summer in Vegas and Phoenix. It's not habitable. It's not livable. And so being nice to tyrants only brings more tyranny and make sure that you're going to be in a smart city, which is a stupid prison cell of your own making. So with that, I want to uh, talk about other stupid stuff, including an article here from the Brownstone Institute questioning, are we medicating millions of ADHD children without scientific justification? Duh. There has never been a psychological or psychiatric test to show a child is deficient in Ritalin or any other psychiatric medication, anti-anxiety medicine, antidepressant medicine, all of these things like, you know, the Ritalins, the stimulants of the world that are addictive and destructive of brain development and neurological other development, all based on what? The DSM the Bible for psychiatric medicine, none of which is preceded by an analytical test that is objective. That is, oh, we gave your little Johnny and little Susie a blood test. It shows that they need Ritalin. We gave them a saliva test and that we analyzed that and it looks like you need Ritalin. We gave them, oh, it's your urinalysis. My gosh, look at that imbalance. We need to give your child an SSRI drug for his ADHD slash depression. None of this is based on any sound scientific reasoning, much less validation in the peer-reviewed literature or elsewhere. The entire field of psychology, I mean, this kind of psychiatry specifically, the medicating of so-called brain neurological chemical so-called imbalances that they've never really validated is a hoax, is, you know, what we dare say they used to use against us or still try with homeopathy. It's quackery psychiatry in terms of medicating people. And as I say that, I'm not here to say that there's never been one person on the planet that got a psychiatric drug uh, prescribed to them. And they said, my gosh, I feel better. I'm more functional. I'm not saying that that hasn't happened, but the reality, it's more of a, you got lucky because they have no earthly idea how or why that happened for you and not 10 other people that ended up committing suicide on those same drugs or went homicidal in a rage and started shooting up schools 
or hotels or whatever. The field of psychiatry should be just absolutely disbanded. And if it wants to exist any longer, it should be focused on what they call talk therapy, which has legitimacy on people unburdening what's what they're carrying. And of course, if we went into, you talk about the psychological or psychiatric sciences into nutrition, if you want to talk about imbalances, chemical or otherwise, how about looking at the uh, essential amino acid profile of a, of a patient, the essential fatty acid intake? Could we explore the utilization of hemp and CBD and other cannabinoids and terpenes and their impact on emotional states and psychological states? Can we look at other ways to address traumas due to abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse? All of these things that are not drug deficiencies that can be exacerbated, that means to be made worse in the absence of key nutrients, magnesium, selenium, chromium, to prevent hypoglycemic episodes where you could end up shooting something or yourself because you just now have inhabited the, or the animal brain has taken over you when you have no energy, no sugar, no anything in the met metabolic normal normalcy to deliver the brain the, what it needs, the higher brain, the higher functioning. So this Brownstone Institute article, is it's not new for many of you that have been with me for years, but it's just disgusting that the psychiatric profession holds any merit at all in anybody's thought, much less in a governmental panel that says, oh yeah, we need to look at medicating everybody. How about the use of fluoride in the water? Oh yeah, we're going to prevent dental decay. Yeah, drink it. Is that what we're supposed to do? Drink a toxic poison to increase heavy metal intake, which by the way, what about the heavy metal burden in children and or adults? Mercury, cadmium, arsenic, lead, aluminum. How are these things impacting brain and neurological function and emotional states? Oh no, no, no. It's Ritalin deficiency. You follow me? yet they're still considered legitimate. There's a book that's referenced here. Uh, let's see, who wrote this book? Is it the author of the article? It says, ADHD is not an illness and Ritalin is not a cure, a comprehensive rebuttal of the alleged scientific consensus. I'm going to link that. Uh, this is a book by Yaakov Ophir out of the Israel Institute of Technology. There it is, Supernon. Thank you. This is another great book exposing what... Peter Bregan has been exposing and many others have been writing about John Rappaport, my friend, and no more fake news for decades. Have we been talking about this and writing about this? And why is it still an issue? Why does anybody think a psychiatric drug is the answer? At the very most, it's the last, 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 last resort. But many people that resolved to use those drugs and didn't want to even said, well, I, I tried everything and nothing worked. And that's where I had to, to do, to do the drug. And then I asked him, Hey, did you try going on an organic non-GMO diet? No, I didn't do that. Did you try increasing essential fatty acids? No, no, uh, doctor didn't say anything about that. Did you try repairing the gut that had been decimated by antibiotics and glyphosate exposure, Roundup? No, no, no one said anything about that. So you tried everything. Yeah, I tried everything. You follow me here on that too? People that said I tried everything. You tried everything that insurance covered which is once again why I say the most dangerous thing you can have in America is really good medical insurance. That will ensure you will get put on suicidal ideation enhancing drugs or homicidal ideation enhancing drugs. All right, Super Don, you got anything to add to that? I know we've got a couple more stories. Do we have a question of the day? I don't know what's next. 
Uh, we had some great discussions today between Jonathan Emord and Chelsea Hope. Uh, some very troubling things to discuss, but that's why we need good people. That it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, we don't. I don't think we really have ever discussed it in any great detail as far as water goes. But I know that yeah. I've read things and I've oh, heard yeah. people say, you know, I, you know, they're buying up all the water. They're they're buying all the water rights to everything, and yeah. it's hard not to look at that and go, so why? I mean, yeah. I guess there's, I guess there's money in it, of course. Yeah, uh, like anything else, but you know, when you get a monopoly, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and what what else do we learn about monopolies? Let's say you got California; you have a pretty much a, a, a Democrat monopoly, right? Democrats run that state. Right. There's no Republican having much impact there. Well, guess what? In Utah, it's the opposite. The Republicans run the state. Although, and, Robert, you know, yeah. from what I understand, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I'm not an expert, and I'm just recalling things that I've seen and read and stuff over time. I could be yeah. off here, but. Uh, it's not it's not Democrats or per se that are buying up you know the control of this water. It's like corporations and yeah. and f and sometimes foreign Very owned corporations. Yeah, that's what we've learned. It has but nothing to do with anybody that lives in the state, you know. And they're they're buying up the water rights. And so the, the it, you know the question comes up: Well, what happens if these guys, you know, they own it? So mm -hmm. you know they could do whatever they want to with it. Yeah. I think what happens, they shut it down. And yeah. and that's the point of I'm trying to make you understand or help you understand or see that it's not the party that's evil. It's the people in it that are willing to be purchased. So you can have evidence of Republican dominated states that there's corruption as well as the Democrat controlled states. Now, maybe the corruption goes different ways. Maybe it doesn't. But when you centralize bureaucracies, they're going to be bought. They're going to be bought, and that's why the what we call the decentralization, even at the state level, must happen, where they cannot control one party or one thing and then do the things they're doing. So anyway, oh, my gosh, so much to consider. It's a crazy world, man. It's a crazy yeah. world. You know, you can't even wipe your butt without uh, – uh, Having, having yourself about what you're wiping your having to be yeah. concerned about what's going on. This is the 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 best. I know you like the liver and gut one because you're a nerd, yeah. but I'm I'm the uh, I'm the the uh, the teenager at heart here. So I had to throw this in here because a it's kind of funny to talk about. B it's frustrating. You know how many articles have we covered over the last? I don't know. PFAs became a like the the buzzword. Uh, about a year ago, and now it's like PFAs here, PFAs there. Uh, everything has PFAs, and now now we find out that that the toilet paper has PFAs in it. You're literally wiping your butt with PFAs. It's like you cannot get away from this stuff. And it, I go back to what it is that I've said. One of the things that I I kind of just picked up on and learned working with you over the years and stuff is it's we're just we're surrounded by Toxicity. I mean, it's just boom. It's just everywhere. You, you, you wear it, you breathe it, you drink it, you sit on it, you drive it. You, you know, I mean, it's just you're just completely surrounded by it. And uh, apparently, in this here, they they found out that the, the, the they suspect anyway mm -hmm. that the PFAs that they're finding in the wastewater is coming from toilet paper. And I'm thinking, you know, what, what's left at this point? I mean, to, toilet paper. 
Mm. Is there anything that, that, that we consume, use, wear, walk on? Nope, you just knocked yourself out there. I'm there. here. I'm still here. Um, uh, yeah. That doesn't have this stuff in it? Wait, I mean, it's just, be careful with what kind of things you wipe your bottom with and where you, you know, where you send it on down. Finally, uh, and oh I don't boy, you have nothing to say about toilet paper, huh? No, I, I don't want to cut your butt wipe segment short, but I must <laughs> because this okay. last story, like I said, I could do a whole hour on it. We'll probably have to revisit it. Thank you for finding this. This is at Medical Express. Gut bacteria are crucial for liver repair. Fine, mm-hmm. study. I knew you'd like this. You, you were right. This is out of the Technical University of Munich. And uh, boy, oh boy, Journal of Hepatology is reporting this. Now, I, I've said this. You, you, people abuse their liver, and the liver is the most regenerative organ that we know of. And this study found out that without the balanced diversity, biodiversity of the microbiome, when you have experiments, for instance, uh, they take out part of the liver. The liver can regenerate. But in the absence of a healthy, balanced microbiome, that is greatly diminished or eliminated altogether. In other words, in order to regenerate your liver, and this will, let's say, elaborate or go further, the regeneration of so many things that, ha- that need to be regenerated in the body, you don't realize how crucial and critical the microbiome biodiversity is. I'm sorry, I have a tickle in my nose and it's just bothering me today. I, I mentioned that the other day coming back off the week-long trip and I knew I was going to deal with whatever just from being away and not, uh, but I'm fine other than just it's a little annoying to me. Sorry about that. <laughs> so as we wrap up here to talk about this article, let's put this on a pause button because I do want to come back to this and explain to you how much for those of you think that aging is about decaying, having diseases. It's about the destruction of the microbiome and the home for the microbiome. And that relates the gut and the liver being so intricately and intimately connected. That's why gastroenterologists focus on the gut and the liver and the gallbladder. So another thing we're going to be doing, and we're going to do a shortened uh, bonus round, but we will do a little one. Uh, my buddy Mike Adams, the health ranger, is going to join. We're going to do a bit of a pre-record session with him at the top of the hour. Uh, so uh, we'll probably make that available to our patron supporters before it airs. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we like to do to say thank you to all of you for being here. So thank you to Jonathan Emore. Thank you to Chelsea Hope. And Super Don, thank you to you for doing all that you do. And uh, those that want to stick around in 60 seconds or less, we'll be back for the bonus round. And then I've got to do some awesome pre-records for a, a segment or two that you'll have Mike Adams back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. That'll be fun. So, Super Don, if you're ready, can I say it? Can I say it? Yeah, the power to heal is yours.
right, back at it here. Uh, man, just, you know, when I come off of these trips that are a week long, I, I, uh, I tend to go, uh, I know, I know I'm going to get hit with a little something. And I believe, and my belief system may be different than yours, that this isn't like catching something, but it's more or less the detox process of recovery, you know, lack of sleep, you don't sleep as well, all of those things that add up. Now we look at that as illness, uh, but I look at it as the body's attempt to restore that balance. And yet I feel fine, no fever, nothing. I mean, in fact, if time permitting, I'm going to go and, and hit the gym afterwards, which uh, by the way, Super Don, do you have that picture of my 500th workout available for everybody to see? That was fun. <sighs> Must you I? Know? Yeah, I know. This annoys Super Don, but I, <laughs> I over 500 and I've got like, the most glorious Vanna White, uh, uh, my friend Chantel, who works out there, and she was great to hold up the sign as well. Uh, I couldn't look this good, but... Uh, All right, here you go. There it is. Look there at it. that. Oh, wow. Look at that. 500. 500 workouts. Yeah, but my point is use your body or lose the ability to use your body. And and this is also part of the aging process. I talked about mom going out I, there. I, I'm going to read this. This is actually, I actually got notified about this this morning as I was doing show prep. I got this little notification and, uh, and, and it was, uh, I think it was on their Instagram or whatever. So I'm going to read this. This is what nine round fitness had to say about you. It says, here's your sign, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> you know, you know what that's from? Uh, it's no. an old, old comedy bit. It was a comedy bit by Jeff Foxworthy. I think it oh, was. Okay. Here's your, I think it was anyway. Says here's your science. Says congratulations to the man, the myth, the legend, Ask RSB, for hitting 500 workouts. He stuck his nose up at synthetic balloons. Big surprise. So he just got new gloves. Ha ha. We love you, Rob. I like that, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for making our gym brighter each day with your presence. And the constant guilt when we hit that McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, yeah, I kind of give them a little bit of crap. I'm like, you guys are coming in here to work out, and then you're going to poison your body. That's not good. Uh, but I, I do it with love and humor, of course, and they tolerate me. Um, yeah. uh, they, you know, the the ladies like that, these these moms, these super moms that are working out all the time. They they gave me the nickname Ripped RSB. You know, mm. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Is that, beca is that because you rip one when you're doing squats or? Fortunately, not. Yeah. No. no? Okay. Earlier just... days, my gassier days before I started eating clean and correcting all the, ah, okay. you know, but my point is, uh, and we're going to break here because we got Mike Adams. We're going to do some pre-records with Mike after this, uh, that like my mom at 89, the reason she's 89 and still in her, because she worked it, she danced, she, she went out and do, but she struggled because, you know, the challenges the last three years. And then we find ways to, to get, you know, her back. And that includes, you know, the folium PX that, Chernobyl level antioxidant that helped her to get back on the dance floor at 89. So it's possible if you're still breathing, there's not only hope, but there's a reality that you can still thrive all the way up into whatever your lifespan is, which is typically much longer than what we've accepted based on living in a certain way and not in other ways. So with that, I'm going to pause here. Thanks super D for uh, doing all you do. And then we'll, uh, we'll do some pre-record sessions with, uh, our buddy, Mike Adams, the health ranger who, uh, my wife listens to every day and points, hey, did you hear Mike say this? Like, yeah, oh, but I'm prepping for my show too. I can't do everything. But Mike's amazing. Makes me laugh a lot as well, which is great. It's a good sign of a good person is that they have humor in the midst of a lot of things. Don't lose your ability to laugh. 
including at yourself, y'all. <laughs> I try to laugh at myself as often as possible. It's all right. Like, I'll laugh at you. Yeah, you, you do that for me. I'm goofy and awkward, even though you think that <laughs> uh, I still am not as coordinated as I'd like to be. But I'm working on it. Still doing better each and every year. Come on, 57 burpees in under three and a half minutes on your 57th birthday. That's all right, isn't it? I mean, I Over, overachiever. Overachiever. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for being here. We're going to pause and then uh, we've got some fun stuff coming up in, in shows to come. And uh, thank you for being here. God bless you for supporting us. Health, freedom, healing, liberty, always on the line. Uh, we'll see you, God willing, tomorrow for some more powerful healing. Thank you for being here. 